The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. I know so. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to The Air Attack. I, of course, am your pal, BC. You can follow me on Twitter at BC, a.k.a. The Man. You can check out the show at Facebook.com slash The Air Attack. No show last week. Wasn't feeling well. Under the weather. Um, under the weather as we have a hurricane ripping through Florida right now. This one is serious. The cert- I tell you, certain parts of Florida are not going to be the same. So hopefully, hopefully people got out. I, n- I never understood the people that want to hold on for dear life. But, man, I mean, this is this is ugly. So we will see how it plays out. It's going to possibly affect the Sunday night football game. It'll affect a few college games, as it, as it you know, as you would expect with so many Florida teams down there. So we'll kind of check that out and talk about the uh, we'll get to the NFL stuff later on in the show. And I know if you follow me on Twitter, you see me post some stuff about the gambling industry lately. We will talk about that, too, because, quite frankly, this is the sleaziest year in the in the betting space, probably since Tim Donahue was fixing NBA games. As simple as that, really. I mean, there's just so much shady stuff going on with sports books and with some of the. Uh, analysts, some of the professionals, so to speak, where you're getting your information to the point where there's just a complete lack of trust now. And for good reason, because what was quality information a couple of years ago, really the last few years, information that you were told was vital is now disappearing from the internet, just as we are, guess what, regulating the entire industry. So I'll talk about that a little bit later. If you've heard me sort of popping off about that this week, that's what that's been about. And it's not going to stop. I'm not going to stop talking about it. They're not going to stop doing it. And uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, First things first. Uh, the coach of the Celtics. Now, hold on. Let me get his name right here. Hold on one second. Don't want to mispronounce the guy's name. Ime Udoka. I keep calling him E-Day for some reason. I have no idea. Ime Udoka. Uh, engaged to Nia Long. Very, very good-looking actress. They've been engaged for quite a while. They have a child together. Also uh, spent the last year having sex with someone who's not her. Somebody who works on the Celtics staff. Now, he's the head basketball coach. I don't figure that he has that much interaction with that many people, and I I know this sounds ridiculous, right? He's the head coach, but day-to-day stuff, okay? His job is to deal with the players and the other coaches. Yes, there's travel stuff, but there are also other people who handle travel, and I think this woman is, is involved somehow in the travel department for the team. I know you interact with a lot of people. I get all that, but how many people are actually reporting to him? I, I just, I mean, I, I feel like for him to have something going on with somebody in the organization and for him to get a year for that, there's something else to this story. I guess that's what I'm getting at. It's not like she was an assistant coach. It's not like she was a player. Even if she were a cheerleader, she did that, that person wouldn't really report to him, wouldn't really report to the head coach, right? I mean, so why? People did it work all the time. Why is this guy getting a year? I know we don't have the entire story and, and, and all that kind of stuff, but a year off, I mean, the only other coach I could think of, and it, it took me a while to even remember this, but Sean Payton. That was the only one. And he was out there basically trying to, to, to ring the bell of opposing players. And just like the, the inter-office affair, okay, just like that happens, or the intra-office affair, I should say, so does so do the things that were happening where Bounty Gate finally caught up with Sean Payton. A lot of teams were doing it, but it was wrong. Is, is it wrong for the guy to, to be cheating on Neil Long? Yeah, of course that's wrong. But a year? I mean, how is it any of the Celtics business that he's married? Like, if he, if he were not married... And he, would, he were simply having this relationship. You're telling me he would have gotten a year? And supposedly they knew about this since the spring. And there were now unwanted comments made by the coach, made by Ime Udoka. There were unwanted remarks. And that's good for a year. 
So there's something else here. And you're not going to tell me because she's, she's a subordinate. Everyone's a subordinate to the coach. Even if they don't report to him, he's basically above everyone except the general manager. So that doesn't make any sense. You're going to tell me he's not allowed to date anyone in the office? That doesn't make any sense. If everyone in the NBA who dated somebody within the organization where they worked, okay, was, was getting suspended for a year, you wouldn't have an NBA. That's just, that's just common sense. I mean, he's the head coach. I mean, whatever he does in his personal life really isn't their business. But to get a year, there's something that you haven't heard yet. There's a text out there. There's emails out there. There's video out there that you haven't seen yet. Bottom line, because otherwise, why give me a year off? Why give me, in fact, why bother, why bother suspending him at all? This has to fall into the category of some kind of harassment or something over the top. What it is, I'm not sure. I mean, you got Richard Sermon trying to kick in his in-laws' doors last year, and now we see him on Thursday Night Football like he's the greatest guy in the world. So I'm not sure. I guess different situations, different rules. I'm not sure. The guy must have done something. Otherwise, the Celtics are really, really weird. Honestly. We're going to talk about infidelity, infidelity within the NBA. We're going to be a while. My God. Um, the Aaron Judge thing, if we're getting into Amazon and, and everything else. Aaron Judge is still stuck at 60 home runs. This, I think, was a little bit predictable. Um, you have a lot of buzz around Yankee Stadium. They're selling out again. You know, go figure. But the number 61 will always be important within the Yankees organization for Yankees fans. Yada, yada, yada. You got people who think it's the real record because the juice heads were hitting 70 a few years ago. Whatever. There's a lot of different things you can say about these home run, home run records from Babe Ruth only playing 144 games all the way to, you know, dead balls and bigger, you know, much bigger ballparks. How much more dominant Babe Ruth was. You know, obviously Roger Maris comes along. Then we have McGuire and Sosa and the drugs and everything else. Barry Bonds and, and him going through a second puberty and, and hitting, what, 73 home runs. But 61 is going to mean something to Yankee fans. Okay, fine. But the Yankees have been, I mean, hyping this all year to the point where I'm surprised it took this long for him to sort of hit the brakes. And it's been very tough for him. However, once he got to 59 and 60, then we got to last weekend. The Yankees are playing the Red Sox. And I forget who else they played before and after that. Aaron Judge and the Yankees are playing on Amazon and Apple. And Yankee fans, and justifiably so, are going nuts. It is absolutely ridiculous now with these streaming services. I've been down this road before. I've had this talk about the lag, about the fact that it's a pain in the balls just to change the channel. So if I'm watching a game on regular ESPN, but then there's a game on streaming, now I got to change the, the input for the television. That takes time. I got to find the right streaming service, let it load. You know, God forbid there's some sort of lag, there's some sort of trouble loading, or the thing crashes, you're in trouble. It's a real problem, not to mention every one of these leagues now, including the Yankees, including Major League Baseball, they are pushing legalized gambling. And what is a huge aspect of the legalized gambling with FanDuel, DraftKings, all these people? Live wagering. Well, wait a second. How am I live wagering on something that might have a lag that's 30, 40, 50 seconds behind the TV feed? That could be everything, especially in a sport like basketball, football. It could be everything right there. I don't know what I'm watching. How do I know? How do I know exactly where this game stands if I'm trying to live wager on this stuff? It's a big issue, but this is different. This is about history. So Major League Baseball is trying to promote history on the one hand, and on the other hand, they're trying to limit who can actually see it. Albert Pujols hit number 700 last weekend. You know, you know what platform he was on? Apple TV, right? Apple TV, an American classic. Who doesn't remember growing up and watching their favorite players on Apple TV? You got to be kidding me.
And so Major League Baseball loses the moment to a streaming service. They took the money, no problem, right? Well, fans are furious, and now fans can anticipate Aaron Judge kind of falling into that same category. He played earlier that night also on Apple TV. And Yankees fans are fuming, and rightfully so. They have every right to. So what does Major League Baseball do? Instead of saying, you know what, my bad, we're going to make sure every one of these games is free until he breaks the record. Also, also, our bad for doing this to begin with. No, 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 no. They send their, their, their little their minions out to social media to make fun of the people complaining. The numbers for the first Thursday night game between the Chargers and Chiefs, and that's a big one. I mean, that's two of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. They, they absolutely were dwarfed by the Sunday night game on NBC, by the Cowboys and Bucks. It's costing them viewers. The leagues took all the money, but now it's costing them eyeballs. They don't like that because the eyeballs sell them jerseys. The eyeballs create buzz. You know what? You're doing this to yourselves. People are going to see the highlights on Twitter or on Facebook. That's basically what it is now. Okay, there are people out there who don't know what Apple TV is. They don't know how to load it onto their television. Their television may not handle Apple TV. They may not want Apple TV. Their television may, may be seven or eight years old where it's not a smart TV. So who, what do you care now, you elitist little pricks? My God, you're sending some loser, okay, who makes forty-two grand a year and lives in Williamsburg with two roommates and one bathroom sitting around in his, in his basketball shorts. You're putting them out there to tease people who don't have Apple TV. What the hell is wrong with you? My God, I swear. I, you know what? I, I hope I hope he breaks this record at like 2 in the morning so no one sees it. That's honestly what I hope. I know, I know it's not fair to the, to the, to the, to the longtime fan. I don't care. Let Major League Baseball get what they deserve, honestly, because this is horseshit. My goodness. What if you're, what if you're like a 9-year-old kid and you just have dirt-poor parents, like I've said during the Champions League and every other event that is now routed to these streaming services? What happens then? Going to make fun of the kid too? My God, but little cowards. Get out there telling people that, stu- that it's stupid. It's stupid to complain about Apple TV and Amazon Prime. They don't have these services. What are they supposed to do now? Extra 20, 25 bucks a month so they can watch a few baseball games? A lot of people don't have that kind of money. Do you understand that? You don't have... The people making fun of this, okay, the, li- the entitled little worms that are on Twitter making fun of this, if you said, I tell you what, give me $300. No, give me $300, and then I'll subscribe. I have both these things, by the way. Don't worry about me. I'm talking about you, you or your neighbor or whoever else. Hey, give me the 300 bucks that it costs for a year to get these two, ser- to these two services. I'll bet you half those little kids, those overgrown little infants on social media, don't even have it. And you're making fun of other people because that's, that's somehow the cool thing to do. Give me a break. Streaming, streaming and sports, are, they're just not good. They just don't go together. I'm sorry. Yeah, in certain situations, no problem. Okay, fine. If, you, if you're, you're running two or three TVs in your living room and you want, you want an alternative there, you don't want to have a bunch of cable boxes, okay. But the one thing you're watching, okay, in real time, especially if you're trying to gamble, no, sorry. No, no sports fan owes it to you to keep subscribing to six or seven services, which you'd have to have now. I mean, Major League Baseball is all over the place now. And if this is what's going on now, where are we going to be five, six years from now? It's ridiculous. So... Also, we hope Aaron Judge actually gets to 61. Nobody, no one will pitch to him right now. My goodness. I mean, no, it's basically like a semi-intentional walk two-thirds of the time. Once that game gets out of hand, they're like, it's not going to be me, man. You're going to first base. Leave me alone. Also, I know the Braves went to the White House this week, and they tried to rehash the whole thing with you know, the name of the Braves, and we have to have this, this discussion. I tell you what you do. Go ahead and push this going into the, no- the November elections. Go ahead and try that. Try changing the name of the Braves. Push for that right now and see how you do in Georgia, Democrats. My God. While you're at it, why don't you go after the Georgia Bulldogs? <laughs> Tell them to change their mascot, too. Go ahead. 
No one cares about these things. These are made up issues. There's a, there's a hurricane ripping Florida apart and you got people trying to politicize it. And, oh, it's climate change. Like, like because, because I used arid extra dry back when I was in college and because I still have a stake now and again, that's why this hurricane is happening. No one really believes that shit. If anyone believed that, insurance companies wouldn't insure the homes down there. Knock it off, please. All right, let's move out of the NFL and get to the gambling uh, part of the portion. Now, what I was talking about before, there's a couple issues now that are circulating that are going to come to a head. They just are because uh, too many people are talking about it and it, they're just too conspicuous. One is sports books setting limits for players now that are like just like these these meager, modest amounts. And these are, these are big time corporations now. They want to be in the sports betting business, but they want everyone to be gambling tiny amounts of money so that they can never lo even lose like one game. It's nuts. The, the books, I mean, they want you to lose. If you were, see, here's the thing. If you're a degenerate and you wanted to bet like, you know, thousands of dollars per game, like 10 grand a game, but you lost every game, they'd have no problem with that. But if you were betting 10 grand a game and you, ha you went like on a four game winning streak, they'd cut you off. And that's what they're, and they're doing it out in the open. And these cowards in the sports media partially because they've been told they have to take this stance are basically saying, Hey, listen, they could do what they want. That's perfectly legal. No one's disputing that it's legal. I know that it's legal. That's the point. It shouldn't be. There should be limits on games and that's it. You shouldn't be able to cut people off because they're good at it. And their mindset is so ridiculously flawed. Here's, here's how they think, but just, just go ahead and think this through. They're coming up now with coalitions. They're calling them coalitions. They're basically just what they basically are cartels. Sportsbooks getting together so they can identify people who are good. That's what it is. But they're, they're doing it under the guise of a coalition for responsible gaming. And one of their core principles is that gambling is best enjoyed as recreation. Okay, fine. As recreation. What if a guy's idea of recreation is betting 10 grand a game and he's good at it? Well, then guess what? There goes his recreation. He's allowed to lose, though, but he's not allowed to win. And people who are habitual losers who want to lose large sums of money, okay, guess what? They've already got a place to do it because anybody can go. First of all, they can just go to a casino and bet on something that's not sports. They don't have to wait for sports. They don't have to wait for Thursday night football, okay? They can just go play blackjack. They can, they can do slot machines, roulette. They can gamble whenever they want to. But if they insist on doing it uh, through sports, yeah, they got someone to do that with. It's called a bookie, okay? And that guy will give the person credit. So you're, you're losing this, you're, you're creating this mythological figure of the recreational gambler. And this is what they sell investors. And I know they're full of shit. They probably don't believe any of this, but these are a lot, in a lot of cases, companies that are owned by European entities that have taken this stance that you're just allowed to lose. And that's it. Additional to that, they're going after the offshore books. Now they have Congress, they have members of Congress appealing to the department of justice, telling them to go after offshore sports books. You know why they want to funnel all the action to the, the stateside casinos or sport or the stateside sports books, the FanDuel's and the, and the DraftKings, et cetera. While those, while those companies cut off winning players, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, and it's wide out in the open. And some companies like Caesars are basically telling you, Hey, listen, bring your action our way. We're fine with it. And it makes sense for them too. They have actual brick and mortar casinos. They have resorts. So even if you do take them for some money, guess what? Maybe you'll spend the money at one of the resorts. FanDuel doesn't have resorts. DraftKings doesn't have resorts. And besides that, if you, if you people don't remember, okay, if you just sort of blot it out of your mind, about eight, 10 years ago, those companies were caught cheating. The employees at DraftKings and FanDuel had gotten together and dug into fantasy accounts and figured out which guys were good at daily fantasy sports and then basically mimicked their lineups. So you were engaging, you were playing rigged games through those companies and you had no idea.
And now they're pulling this nonsense. Not to mention, not to mention you have you have hosts out there, guys who are well respected within the handicapping world, the, the, the sports betting space, routing you to FanDuel, telling you to play two team teasers where you have to lay 136 bucks to win hundred. It should be 120 to win 100. But they have you laying 136 at FanDuel. And these are so-called professionals who, who love their loyal listeners, and they're routing you over there. And they wonder why people don't trust them. The other issue that's popped up now is information is disappearing. Things like target rate by team and by success, like success rate in defending the tight end pass, things like that. There are charts and graphs that were like readily available over the last several years that are simply disappearing now. And the people who had pushed this information as if you needed it to be successful are now telling you, hey, you know, you know who's punted a lot this year? The Denver Broncos, as if that's now like some sort of sophisticated analytical take on Sunday night's disaster of a game. And it's ridiculous. And it's out in the open. And why is this? Because companies like FanDuel and DraftKings and a bunch, basically all of them, are absolutely hemorrhaging money. It is ridiculous. They're giving away a ton of money. They want to give you money to bet for free. And then they want to cut you off if you win. So what kind of hobby is that? What kind of recreation is that? Like if you started saying, you know what? I'm going to work on my handicapping game and I'm going to become a really good football better. And you started getting good. And you were hitting like 56, 57, 58% of your bets. That's good. 60% is really good. Really, really good. You know, and they start cutting you off. What kind of hobby is that? Is that your goal? Is that like winning Legend of Zelda? Like, hey, I did it. I'm done. You know how empty you would feel if you got that good and all of a sudden you couldn't do it? So basically, and at the same time, they're trying to prevent you from doing it offshore. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely silly. They, they live in a fantasy world where you're just going to bet a bunch of silly same-game parlays where they really don't give you a fair payout on the rare occasion that you do win. That, that's not, that, that's dumb. How much money are you really going to make that way? You're not. You're, you're just not. There's been betting on, on football for a very long time. There's more information now than there's ever been. So now you have people who specialize in this information hoarding it. What kind of nonsense is that? You're not going to tell me that's a coincidence that they just started doing it this year. These sports books are hemorrhaging money. And all of a sudden, the people with the information that actually helps you as a better, they don't want to give it to you. And I'm not, you want to say, well, they don't owe, owe it to you to give it to you. Wait a second. If you're going to stop producing the information, at least let people know before the season starts. Don't just let it get to week two, week three, week four, and it just happens not to be there. And the way that you know what I'm saying is true, I've asked several of these people, several of these hosts, several of these analytic guys, not one person will respond. They won't, they won't reply, not one of them. That's how you know. These are people I've had conversations with on several occasions. No one wants to talk about this. Imagine that. Moving on. Uh, let's get to week four in the NFL. I'm not going to go over last week's games. We'll, we'll kind of combine the two this week, but we're going to whip around every game real quick here. Uh, once again, a terrible slate. I mean, these games suck. Look at some of these games here. I mean, look at Washington and Dallas. You're going to have Carson Wentz going against Cooper Rush. You're going to have Geno Smith going against Jared Goff. Oh, God. Justin Fields and Danny Jones. You know, Daniel Jones could be a good quarterback if he wasn't running for his life constantly, but we don't know. It's probably, is it still going to be Joe Flacco probably against Mitch Trubisky? Is this the, is this the NFL you envisioned before the season? Brian Hoyer starting for New England. Come on now. Denver still can't get out of their own way offensively, 11 to 10 on Sunday night. This is just, I mean, it's not been a good brand of football. Why is it, you ask? I think uh, two words, training camp. The coaches in a 17-game season don't want to go hard on these players. Uh, a lot of them don't want to go hard because they're afraid of losing their jobs. And the coaches have gotten younger and younger, and in my opinion, softer and softer. That's what I think. And I, the training camp's gotten softer, but some of these teams have come into the league or come into the season woefully unprepared. For the, for the matter at hand. I mean, it's, it's, the, these guys are not ready to play NFL football. 
And the, and the other thing that tells you that's true, look at the injuries now. you got guys dropping like flies again. And, and I'm, there's one thing that's been thrown around, getting back to the analytics thing and, and sort of this new way of approaching the game. People use a term called injury luck. I'm not sure that really applies anymore. I, it's something I completely, completely disagree with. Look at the Niners. They're already banged up again. It's a lot of the same guys. Like Trent Williams, once again, is going to miss time. The Ravens are already banged up in the secondary again. They're already banged up on the offensive line again. That's not luck. I, I, anybody telling you that there's injury luck? Yeah, there could be a freak hit here or there, sure. But when your entire team suffers major injuries, the Giants are doing it again. I don't think that's luck. There's something going on with your field. There's something going on with your training staff. Or maybe you have guys, unfortunately, who are just injury, injury prone. And I don't mean that as an insult. But it, that's, not, that's not luck, by the way. But these soft training camps, I don't think are helping either one of those things. The quality of play or the guys stay healthy. Bottom line. Okay, now week four. Dolphins on Thursday night heading into Cincinnati. Not sure how their travel plans went. I tried to get a little intel on this. It, I think the Bucks went down to Miami to use the Dolphins facility. So maybe the Dolphins got out of town early. Not sure. Cincinnati now up to a four-point favorite. Total 47 in the game. I'm already on the Bengals. Uh, minus three and a half. Should have fired last week at one and a half when I liked them. And here's why I liked them. Miami was going to play in searing heat against the Bills. Good for them. They got a win. Very strange. And we were on Miami team total over 23 and a half last week. Came up a couple points short. Buffalo gets the ball back. You're down four points. There's 10 minutes left in the game. Miami just scored a touchdown to get to 21. I'm thinking, okay, we're in good shape here. Buffalo just ends the game. Buffalo goes on another ridiculously long drive. It was like nine minutes and change. Now the Dolphins get three and out. They, they do the, the butt punt from the end zone, and that was it. That basically our, our hopes were, uh, were completely, completely just killed there when Buffalo could not get the ball into the end zone. They had another drive uh, that was like seven minutes and change. They wasted 17 minutes of the second half on two drives, and I think they got three points out of them, just how it went down. Also, though, Buffalo had 90 offensive plays last week, 90. And you're, you're going to tell the Dolphins after being on the field for 90 plays and ducking a hurricane, now they got to go play a game on the road on Thursday night. Traditionally, the road team is at a disadvantage on Thursday night. Also at a disadvantage, first-year coaches on Thursday night because they just don't know how to prepare the team. Not saying this coach is going to be the same. Not saying he's not. But what I am saying is you got Tua who's really banged up. This is the spot for the Bengals. They're going to wear the all-whites at home. You're going to have the, the, the crowd going wild. Give me the Bengals minus three and a half. I'm on that. And I recommend that you are on that as well. Sunday morning now. That's right. Sunday morning, unless you're in London, because that's where Minnesota and New Orleans we play. Minnesota minus two and a half. Total is at 43 and a half. Now, you're going to have to wait and see what goes on with the receivers for New Orleans. If you find out that Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry are, are practicing and planning on playing, this to me has got to be an over. You're playing on a fast track there. You're playing where Tottenham plays. Or is it, it's Tottenham. You think it's Tottenham if you don't follow soccer? No, Tottenham playing at this fancy new stadium in London. Okay, it's been open three or four years now. Both of these teams, you could say, have had something of a rough go on offense. Minnesota's just too talented. They, they are. They're not going to be bad the entire season. I know Dalvin Cook's banged up. He'll probably put a harness on his shoulder and play. Rough week two for Kirk Cousins on the road Monday night. You just got a big win over your, you know, your biggest rival in the Packers in week one. You're learning a new system. I can kind of excuse that. Last week, sloppy again. Both of these quarterbacks, you're not quite sure when the good or the bad is going to come out. You're pretty sure there's going to be some ugly in there no matter what. But you're not quite sure if you get the good Jameis, the good Kirk, the bad Jameis, the bad Kirk. You're never quite sure day to day. But there's a couple things here. Number one, Minnesota has definitely underachieved. That's why you're getting a total so low. Also, you've got guys banged up on the New Orleans uh, offense. Uh, Kamara's a little banged up. You've got the offensive line a little bit banged up. And, of course, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry. I would keep an eye on some of those injuries. If, if some of those names for the Saints practice this week, number one, the total will go up. 
Number two, though, these teams can score, and they can also score against each other. The last time they played the regular season, these two teams combined for like 75, 80 points. They can move the ball against each other. The other thing about these teams, their defenses have not really been that impressive, especially the Vikings. You expect a little more out of the Saints, but the interesting thing is that neither team has really put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Even when the Saints are playing Tom Brady and the Bucks, and you know those teams hate each other, you know they were inspired for that game. The Bucks' offensive line is all beat up, and the Saints basically did nothing to exploit that. There were also a slew of blunders in that game and a brawl that I'm pretty sure cost me uh, my Saints teaser leg there, but we're not going to get into that. So if you get some of these guys from the Saints back on offense, you got to check the practice reports on Thursday and Friday. I would take a look at that over. It'll go up, though. I mean, I promise you, like, if you wait until Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry and Andreas Peter all announced as if they're playing, I promise 43.5 is going to disappear and it's going to become 46-47. I, I think that game can absolutely go over the total. Cleveland-Atlanta, another game that you should get some points out of. You got Cleveland as a one-and-a-half-point favorite against Atlanta. Atlanta spent the last week and a half or so on the West Coast. Went out there, played the Rams, went directly to, to Washington before a game against Seattle. Got a win last week, obviously, in a very uh, very sloppy game, but what do you expect with those two teams? Total right now sits at 48.5. Now, a couple things. Number one, both of these quarterbacks are playing better than anybody thought. Jacoby Brissett and Marcus Mariota. Hey, listen, not exactly the dream matchup you thought you were getting uh, NFL Week 4, but that's, that's the one you are getting. And both of these quarterbacks have been better than anyone thought they were going to be. And I don't think people are really acknowledging, especially from the Marcus Mariota thing, if you just go on some of the analytics and EPA per play and you know, EPA per dropback, Marcus Mariota is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL if you just go by the efficiency ratings, okay, on, on early on early downs in the first three quarters. You eliminate the fourth quarter because you don't want to get into a, a guy who is desperate for a comeback, so he's more willing to throw an interception. You, usually, if you're going to go by the metrics, at least get rid of the fourth quarter. You get rid of garbage time. You get, you know, you get rid of that variance late in the game. Both these teams have had a little bit of trouble covering tight ends. Just so happens both teams also like throwing the tight ends. Additional to that, the last time an Arthur Smith coach team faced the Browns, they kind of lit it up. That was with the Titans in 2020. I would look very, very closely at the over in that game. 48.5 is a little high. Now, if you want to wait for a live opportunity here, here's the other thing, like the flip side. Both of these teams take some time. We all know Cleveland wants to run the ball. Marcus Mariota obviously can run himself. Cordero Patterson, once again, looks very good. Here's a guy who was returning kickoffs and was a wide receiver. Now he's just established himself as a running back because Bill Belichick told him a little while ago, that's what we're going to do with you, and, uh, and it stuck. So both teams should move the ball up and down the field. If you want to wait for a live opportunity, though, just wait for that, that total live to sort of tick down. Both of these teams do operate quite slowly. They get a lot of running clock with both of these offenses. However... This game should be back and forth, especially if it's a close one. So I would look at the over very closely between Cleveland and Atlanta. Washington and Dallas, I, I, after what I saw from the Washington offensive line last week, I don't know how they're going to handle Carson Wentz running for his life uh, from Micah Parsons. And forgive me for saying this, Ron Rivera is not exactly the coach I expect to make an adjustment from week to week that's going to fix what's wrong with the Redskins, or the uh, Commanders, excuse me. I just don't. Their defense is not very good. They don't seem like they can block. And Carson Wentz, once again, wants to hold on to the ball for like six seconds. It's, it's like ridiculous. Nice guy, gutty player, but my goodness, I don't know how he's going to handle that. And, if you, you know, you guys just kind of got, in my opinion, a sneak preview on Monday night. Danny Jones is running for his life on Monday. And still almost pulled out a win. But my goodness, I mean, the Giants just, the Giants have to block. And so, so does any team in the NFL. And I just don't think it gets that much better. Now, obviously... It's Cooper Rush. It's not Dak. But Michael Gallup is practicing again. Dalton Schultz might play. If those guys are going to play, I'd look real hard at Dallas. Seattle and Detroit, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on. Two terrible defenses. That's all you need to know. Total's up near 50. 
Okay. Do you trust these guys to 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 operate uh, you know efficiently on offense enough to get over fifty? I'm not quite sure, but take a look at Amon Ross St. Brown and DeAndre Swift for Detroit. Both those guys banged up. Both of them might not play. Two teams that have struggled offensively. Not shocking. Tennessee and Indianapolis. The Colts are notorious with Frank Wright for starting slow. You got Matt Ryan in a new system, but they have been dreadful. I mean, Jonathan Taylor last week was like two and a half yards a carry. This is Jonathan Taylor we're talking about. The offensive line has been kind of so-so. Matt Ryan has looked really frazzled. I mean, I listen, I got this team to win the division, and he was basically the primary reason because now you got a solid veteran quarterback, got his head on his shoulders. Man, I tell you. Some of the plays he's made and some of the blunders. I, it, look, things happen in the NFL. I get it. You, you have an issue with, with the snap and the center and just a little bit of chemistry. But they were a little banged up at Jacksonville uh, wide receiver. And it was also a million degrees in Jacksonville that day. Big win for them last week against the Chiefs. But you look at the numbers. They just don't move the football. Give them credit for fighting hard and getting their first win of the year. And Tennessee, predictably, is having trouble without A.J. Brown and with Derrick Henry coming off of an injury. Not shocking there. So probably not the highest scoring game there. Uh, the total... Absolutely, absolutely reflects that. That should also tell you something about the state of some of these offenses. I've never, I haven't seen totals this low in probably 15, 16 years. A, a bunch of totals in the high 30s and low 40s. These totals have come way down because just look at this. Perfect example, Giants and Bears. Justin Fields, the Bears have Justin Fields throwing the ball like 15, 17 times a day. Or, I mean, it's, it's, it's ludicrous. They're running the football. I'll give them credit for that. And you, you kind of know what's coming, so that makes it even more impressive. But they just don't want this kid throwing. I'm all for a dual-threat quarterback and everything, but my God, I mean, they don't want him. I mean, honestly, just run the wishbone if you're going to throw it like that. Seriously, this is, I mean, this is crazy. The Giants, once again, have to block. Have to, have to, have to block. Sterling Shepard uh, goes down with a knee injury at the end of that game against Dallas. It's an awful lot of guys getting injured at MetLife Stadium. That's a stadium where two NFL teams play their games. Why this is not investigated, well, I, I would say I have no idea, but I think we know. Because when it comes down to it, you have to actually give a shit to investigate. Uh, that's probably going to be one of our lo more lower, more low-scoring games uh, of the weekend there. The Giants, but Giants win that game. They get a chance to go 3-1, to one, three and one, and then the reward is going to Europe to, uh, to face Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see how that goes. Jacksonville and Philadelphia. Philadelphia's 3-0. and oh. Here's the thing about them. They don't score in the second half. I don't care if you got a big, league or not, big lead or not. Uh, even that Monday night game against Minnesota uh, a few days back, they had every opportunity to put that game away, just couldn't. Even down to again, getting a field goal block, which let, we thought was going to let Minnesota right back in the game. But, of course, when you can't score, you don't get back into many games. That's just how that goes. So Jalen Hurts has impressed people, but getting back to A.J. Brown, I thought A.J. Brown was going to be very significant, both by his absence from Tennessee and his presence in Philadelphia. So far, they haven't proven me wrong. Now, Jacksonville's 2-1. and one. I know they're the new, you know, darlings of the NFL, okay? They're the fashionable team to, like, Trevor Lawrence. Here, This is his time. He now has a good coach. Urban Meyer is the Antichrist, the whole nine yards. Here's the thing. Week two, you catch a Colts team that can't get out of its own way on a day where the real fields were in the high 90s in Jacksonville. You had a slight advantage there. Plus, for some reason, the Colts can never play there. Maybe because of the heat. I don't know what it is. The Colts can never play well in that city. Okay, fine. You go to one-on-one. Then they go across the country and take out the Chargers, and now everyone's making a little mess in their pants. Like, next thing you know, Jacksonville has a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Justin Herbert is hurt. Joey Bosa left the game. Rashawn Slater, big-time title tackle, also had to leave the game. Okay? Not to mention, Brandon Staley is obviously a psychopath. Let's see now if Jacksonville can win that game, go all the way back home, and then go up the coast this weekend and give the Eagles a game. If they can do that, then you know what? Maybe I'll kind of jump on the bandwagon myself. But they've caught a couple teams in some really, really just, just optimal spots. 
to get to two and one. Bottom line. And their first loss was against the Commanders. Week one's week one. We kind of throw that anyway. Let's just see how it goes this week in Philadelphia for the Jags. Uh, Jets and the Steelers. My goodness, what's this? Pittsburgh minus three. What's the total in this game? About seven? What's the total here? 41 and a half. Okay. Well, you know, the, both defenses are kind of bad. Uh, no TJ Watt, obviously, for Pittsburgh. Uh, Mitch Trubisky versus, I'm not sure if it's Zach Wilson or, or Joe Flacco here. I'm not getting involved in that game. I recommend you don't either or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, Buffalo at Baltimore. Now, Buffalo was a bigger favorite than they are now. They are now down to minus three. You could look at this a couple ways. You could say the Bills are just getting overbet, but the this is really a bad matchup for Baltimore. Uh, they're already banged up in the secondary, as I alluded to. Uh, Bills do like to, you know, Bills do have a strong receiving crew, as we know, and probably, you know, top three, top four quarterback, depending on where you rate the guys, in Josh Allen to make them pay. Uh, total in this game is, where are we at, 52 still? Yeah, 51, so it's come down a little bit. Both teams have serious issues on their offensive line. Both teams have quarterbacks that can sort of get around those issues because of their mobility, especially on Baltimore. That should be a fun game to watch. 1 o'clock on CBS on Sunday. Chargers travel to Houston now. Uh, we don't know yet if Justin Herbert's going to play or not. The line is, the line is now down to 5. Chargers minus 5. No Nick Bosa, no Slater, as we said. They're missing someone else, too. I think they're missing their center as well. The Chargers are all beat up, and once again, people are wondering – are we, are we really going down this road again? Meanwhile, the Texans worked their way to a tie. I, they got a little lucky there to get that tie, missed kick and whatnot, against the Colts in week one. The Colts obviously aren't playing well, but they should have won that game last week against the Bears. For them only to be getting five points right now tells you something about the state and, and possibly the expected status of Justin Herbert going forward. Uh, a game I want no part of. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I would have said, okay, Chargers has a teaser leg. They're minus seven. We'll get them down to minus one. I want no part of that team right now because I really don't know how healthy or unhealthy Justin Herbert is. And, and their coach, unfortunately, is more concerned with keeping you and I guessing than with just fixing the problems with his team, quarterback or otherwise. He just, I mean, he just, the, the guy cannot get over himself and he's not that good of a coach. I've been saying it since day one and he's done nothing to prove that wrong whatsoever. Arizona, uh, Arizona goes to uh, Charlotte to face the Panthers. Panthers one and a half point favorites. Total in this game is also going to be a low one. Let's see here. Yeah, 42 and a half. Maybe the saddest matchup of quarterbacks all week. You got Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield. Okay, big time Heisman Trophy candidates. A lot of swagger at Arizona. And right now, they're just two little guys on two terrible NFL teams. Those teams suck. Okay, no DeAndre Hopkins yet for Arizona. They obviously got rid of Christian Kirk, but they just they can't block. Their defense is mediocre at best. Carolina is going nowhere with Matt Rule. I'm sorry. I mean, he's one way or another, they're going to end up getting rid of him this year. Uh, so one of these teams will be one and three and... One of the teams will be 2-2 two and two and just not be that good. The Packers will host the Patriots. Now you got no Mac Jones for the Patriots. So Brian Hoyer, go ahead and add him to the murderer's row of starting NFL quarterbacks this week. Brian Hoyer for the Patriots. you got the Packers up to 9.5-point favorites with a total of 40.5. So the Patriots team total is, what, like 13 there? Did I do the math? 13, 14, 15? My goodness. Um... Patriots were actually starting to move the football and actually letting Mac Jones unload down the field before he got hurt late in that game against against the Ravens last week. Packers are still kind of getting to know getting to know each other, I guess. These young receivers and and uh, and Aaron Rodgers, they've also been making a lot of mistakes. I mean, they were dominating that game against the Bucs. That I mean, that was not like a one score game or a two point game the way it ended up. That game should have been put away in the third quarter. Aaron Rodgers does have trouble against that team, but just a couple fumbles in the last couple games. They get that cleaned up, they'll be all right. I, I don't think that I think that's gonna be a rough day for the Patriots. If that got down to like eight and a half or nine, you might think about making the Packers a, a teaser leg. Denver goes to Las Vegas in one of the four o'clock games on uh on Sunday. Now, you want to talk about a sad loss. You got the Broncos who can't get out of their own way offensively, coming into Las Vegas where they're 0 3. 
Josh McDaniel had to have a sit down with Mark Davis. Imagine what that's. I don't know what you do there. You play with blocks. What do you do with him? Anyway, but they, he had to have some sort of sit down after the 0-3 start. Either you're going to go to 0-4 if you're Las Vegas, okay, and you're going to lose to your head coach's former club, or Denver's going to go to 2-2. Two and two. Remember, Denver's tied for first place with that offense. They're going to go to 2-2, two and two, giving the Raiders their first win. Uh, look, both of these teams attracted a lot of attention coming into this season, right? Devontae Adams going to the Raiders and obviously Russ going to the Broncos. The Broncos have been impossible to watch. The Raiders have been in games. I mean, they were in the game against the Chargers. They, they lost the, the, the game against Arizona. They lost that in overtime because of a Hunter Renfro fumble. Okay, it happens. They, they were competitive, at least late, against Tennessee. But they're still 0-3. And this would, I'm telling you, this would eat away at Josh McDaniel if you go back to his experience in Denver. I mean, they could not stand him there. You'd think he'd want the team to be up for this game. You'd think the team would be up for the game anyway because they're 0-3. I don't know. I will just have to wait and see. But it has been, I mean, just, it has been painful to watch. That Denver Broncos team and that coaching staff operate has just been terrible. Sunday night, uh, Chiefs go to Tampa, we think, possibly. The league will do everything they can to get that game in Tampa. They, why? They don't, they don't want to lose the gate. They don't want to lose the home crowd. And there was talk of moving the game to Minneapolis. See, I, if it were me, now remember something. I'm, I'm a great guy. I have a heart. I would have moved that game already and gotten everybody the hell out of Florida, but that's just me. Looks like the, uh, I think they're going to try to play on Monday night. That's just my guess. You got the Chiefs as one-point favorites. The total is 45. Now, who thought before this season that the total between a chief, the Chiefs and Bucks would be 45 in week four? This isn't a preseason game. This is about Holmes. This is Brady. Well, the Bucks have a bunch of banged-up receivers. Supposed to be getting some of the guys back this week, though. You get Mike Evans back from suspension after the brawl with the Saints that we already talked about. Chris Godwin might play. A couple other guys might play. You might get your left tackle back. I mean, there's potential for, for some upside here. But I tell you what, the Chiefs' offense has not been very good. If you go back to the game against the Colts last week that they lost, I mean, think about this. The Chiefs put up a grand total of 315 yards, 5.2 yards a play, but it gets better than this. After forcing a three and out, Okay, I'm forcing a Colts punt. The Chiefs can't even field the punt. They muff the punt. They give up a four-yard touchdown drive, and the Colts take a 7-0 lead. Chiefs finally get the ball back on the next kickoff. They don't muff this one. They actually field it. Three and out. Three plays, three yards. Force a punt from the Colts, get the ball back. Three plays, nine yards. Three plays, nine yards. Managed to take off 2-13 off the clock, too. They stop the Colts on fourth down, and the Colts, basically, because the Colts are just a, a mess, and so is Matt Ryan, he doesn't just miss on fourth and one from the Kansas City 49. He takes a sack, fumbles, and loses a bunch of ground. Now you give the Chiefs the ball at the Colts 35. A four-play, 35-yard touchdown drive. Okay, you can only play the field that's in front of you. No problem. 35 yards and a touchdown. A couple drives later, you get another Colts fumble. Now the Chiefs have a five-play, 21-yard touchdown drive. That's 14 points. They scored 17 in the game. A field goal to open the scoring in the second half. They kicked that field goal with 7.56 to go in the third. What is this here? 15 plays, 15 plays, 62 yards, 7 minutes and 4 seconds. Ugh, my God. Remember when this team was like high-powered and high-flying? My goodness. Anyway, stopped on fourth down, missed the field goal, yada, 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 interception late. Bottom line is this. They don't score again. 17 points, and the two touchdown drives came on short fields. The week before, they put up 27 against the Chargers. Yeah, seven of those were on a pick six. This team's offense, they've been, they've been bad. They've been really bad. And watch them during the preseason. You said, oh, these guys look pretty good with the new guys. They're not going to miss Tyreek Hill. Ugh, not so sure about that. That should be an entertaining game one way or another. You would think the Chiefs have a bit of an advantage, though. you got to figure the Bucs are busy, you know, worrying about the hurricane. They just have to be. They're human beings. they got families. they got homes. they got a lot of stuff they're worried about. 
Finally, Monday night, Rams, Niners. Uh, Niners have had the advantage in this series. Kyle Shanahan against Sean McVay. Except this time, a couple things. No Trent Williams for the Niners. The other thing was this. I've never been a Jimmy G hater. And I know he should have some chemistry with these guys because obviously he's done a lot, played a lot of football with this crew. He looked ridiculously uncomfortable on Sunday night. It was awkward to watch. I mean, he had no rhythm whatsoever. What do I attribute it to? Yeah, very simple. Let's go back to this, something we talked about early in the show, training camp. Okay, he, he has not been taking first-team reps in practice with these guys. And he had a full week to prepare here, and he came out against an – I mean, they're an okay defense on Denver, but they're by no means world beaters. You weren't out, you weren't out there against the 86 Bears. And he just looked absolutely lost out there. Now you're going to deal with no left tackle, one of the best left tackles in the game, and you got to go up against Aaron Donald and those guys? I don't know. I'll tell you what, give me the Rams as a teaser leg there. Find something else in the next week or something else you like it with this week. Get the Rams up to seven and a half, eight-point underdogs, and go from there. So hopefully the Bengals get us off to a nice start for the weekend on Thursday night, minus three and a half, even minus four. I would be comfortable laying. We'll see what happens with Tua. We'll see how everything else goes uh, on Thursday night. Uh, anything else we get involved in this week in the NFL, of course, will be up by noon on Sunday on the Twitter feed at BCAK The Man. With that, that's all the time we got this week on The Air Attack. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out Facebook.com slash The Air Attack. Follow me on Twitter at BCAK The Man. And remember, The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. Here's Lace. All right, all right. I'm BC the man. See you next week on the Air Attack.
business before pleasure. Little mama, do your thing, get more cheddar. Holla at your boy whenever. And this the last thing I had to tell ya. I see you looking good, girl. I see you looking good, girl. I see you getting money, girl. I see you getting money, girl. I see you riding clean, girl. I see you riding clean, girl. Alright, 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 alright. I see you looking good, girl. I see you looking good, girl. I see you getting money, girl. I see you getting money, girl. I see you riding clean, girl. I see you riding clean, girl. Left it straight to the bank, to the bank. Left it straight to the bank, to the bank. Left it straight to the bank, to the bank. Left it straight to the bank, to the bank. Left it straight to the bank, to the bank.